Hey, Anna, remember that time a tattletale almost ruined a major Irish rebellion? time and historical podcast i'm your host anna webb and i'm your host amanda webb this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all of their favorite moments in history and we're late i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) hey we gave warning in the last episode we did we sure did happen so and we were correct because my job is a lot (laughs) well yeah it's a lot right now, but we're doing it. We're doing, we're doing it. it. It's now. fall. It is autumn. Mm-hmm. The leaves outside my window are beginning to change, actually, which oh, is so bless. rare for where I live, like right at the beginning of autumn for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm feeling great. <laughs> and this is our 50th episode. 50th episode. I can't it's believe. Wild. It's wild. I cannot believe. Should we um, celebrate the occasion with a drink update? Yeah, let's. I'm having some red wine. Oh, classic. Classic me. And I'm drinking water. Oh classic me. Oh, my God. 50 whole episodes. Don't We're nothing that. if not consistent for 50 whole episodes. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call myself consistent, but... <laughs> I wouldn't call us consistent at all, considering that we're late recording the episode. Fair enough. <laughs> You're consistent in your beverage choice. That's yes, it. I sure am. Um, well, I was thinking about, you know, this being our 50th episode when I was choosing my topic. And I went back and I was looking at what my first episode was. Technically, my first episode was the second episode right. of the podcast. But my first episode I did about um, Constance Markovich and Eva Gorbuth who are two Irish women who are fantastic and fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to do this episode on the Easter Rising to sort of celebrate my first episode. Um, (laughs) What a celebratory time, the Easter Rising. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's so fun. Fun and... Oh, gosh. Um, But also, I was very curious about my first episode, our second episode, because it feels like it's been a long time. It's been... Almost two years now. Yeah. Well, we do it every other week. So it yeah. is a long time, even if it's not a ton of episodes. Um, But I, I took some notes while I was listening okay. about it. Um, oh, they're a, on her phone. I can't even yes. see these notes. Okay. A, it sounded like it was recorded on a potato <laughs> <laughs> because we were using our headphone microphones and it was trash. That's right. We hadn't bought and, the nice ones And it's yet. not like we're fancy now. But we have real microphones now. Yes, yes. Um, No drink update. We did not do a drink update in the first few episodes. Well, that's not surprising. We didn't have a thing yet. Um, We most certainly did because we were mispronouncing names (laughs) left and right. (laughs) Well, already right off the bat. Um, I had that we went on just so many more rabbit trails. In the in those early days, <laughs> not that we don't now, but it was worse. <laughs> we just woo, we just went. <laughs> I believe that. Um, also, put that there were a lot of characters. You did a lot of voices. I I love a voice and a bit oh, and a character. And same. I just sometimes feel like I don't have the time. 
an episode. To devote to the character. <laughs> yeah, I would love to get back into doing bits like that. <laughs> um, you referenced Sister Suffragette. Well, Which in yeah. our last episode, we were talking about how you would inevitably reference Sister Suffragette when we talked about um, That's right. women's suffrage. I remember that now. And also, at the end of that episode, I had you read... Um, A poem. The poem that was written about Constance and Eva. And then that Christmas, you gave me that poem framed. Yes. Because in Lissadell, they have that photo framed... They have that poem framed... In the house. And so for Christmas that year, you got me that poem framed. I, I remember that. that. Nice. I, so, yes. That was our second episode, and I just wanted wow. to, to. I'm going to have to go back, back and listen to our, our first one again. It's been a long time. Uh, I, it's been a long time since I listened to it because we actually recorded a pilot before we did that first episode that was mm-hmm. not the same topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I like think about the pilot as our first episode, even though it's not. It was not. It was just our test. Yeah. yeah. Um, we won't release that because it wasn't oh, good. And also no. I did the topic later. Yeah. It was Anne Boleyn we used as a test. So there's a better Anne Boleyn one that exists. So why would <laughs> That's we release? That's out in the world. Now. Why would yeah. we release the bad one? Um, but yeah, the, the audio was bad. I do remember Oh, it was that. so bad. It was so bad. I started listening to it and I was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess with that, we should get on and get moving with our 50th Let's, episode. Yes. You almost said anniversary. Anniversary. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Not bit. really. No. It is pretty close to our two years. So. Yeah, but it's not. So. But it's not. It's not time yet. All right, let's talk about the Easter Rising, shall we? Let's shall. Let's have a wonderful time with it. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What just Um, happened to you? I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just um, warning, a a slight warning sound that it's not a wonderful time. It's it's a lot. That's a warning sound? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm so tired. Okay. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, it's going to be one of those again. Every 30 seconds, I'm just real tired and loopy. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) 50th episode, um, let's go. Let's go. So before we can talk about The Rising, we need to talk about a little bit of background. Of about why the Irish rebelled, just in general. Oh my god, so um, many reasons. So. First of all, the, they love to rebel, just in general. That is so true. And, and we can say that because we're Irish. They're historically not that good at it. No. We can, we can say that because we're, we're Irish. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the Acts of Union... Uh, 1800 unites the Kingdom of Great Britain and the Kingdom of Ireland to make the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. Um, this abolishes the Irish Parliament and it gives Ireland representation in the British Parliament, but not that much. I was gonna say, but does it? (laughs) But does it? Um, obviously, a lot of Irish citizens are opposed to this because of the traditionally horrible treatment that they have received from Britain. Uh, they were pretty much constantly occupied by the British up to this point. Uh, and this just made it official and terrible. <laughs> um, so pretty soon after that, the Irish home rule movement forms. I'm familiar. And <laughs> the goal of the home rule movement is for uh, Irish self-government within the United Kingdom. So they want to be like actually be a kingdom under them and not just like represented in parliament. They want to have their own leadership and their own parliament, 
but they would still be a part of the United Kingdom. Right. Um, and lots of other Irish citizens said, absolutely not. We have no interest in being a part <laughs> of the United Kingdom at all. We just want to be Ireland. We just want a free Ireland. We want total self-government, no British influence at all. Um, the Gaelic Athletic Association and the Gaelic League and a lot of other um, cultural groups spearheaded this movement. So lots of poets and playwriters and um, just artists in general were mm-hmm. a part of these things. And there was a huge movement to to just be like traditionally Irish and not in the like tradition way, but like in the... Um, <laughs> In, like, old Gaelic traditions. Ah, uh, right, yes. Like, Irish cultural traditions. Right. Um, to bring that back. Uh, this sort of idea in this movement is often referred to collectively as um, Sinn Féin, uh, because that was the name of a popular newspaper that was a part of this movement. And later, which we will talk about towards the end of this episode, uh, an Irish political party forms and uses that as their name, Sinn Féin. And right. they are... Still a political party today. Right. Um, But that's where that comes from. So that's a little bit of setup. We're going to get a little more specific here, but that's where Ireland was at. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about a little bit of that more when I do an episode on the Troubles. Oh. Because, girl, it comes back. It comes back. Some of those feelings. And and this is the thing about the rising is that everything that happens next is because of the rising. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Everything that happens next. Um, So the home rule movement had been trying to get some bills in front of parliament for a while to get Irish home rule. And they kept getting turned down and it wasn't happening. Um, the third home rule bill is introduced in 1912, and this is the first one to be approved by Parliament. But then World War I starts. Of course. <laughs> so home rule is deferred at first for like six months and then again for another six months. And then they're like, oh, no. Because they oh, thought this oh, no, massive war will be over in six months. And then we can they do fully did. About yeah, they I know. Fully, fully did. Um. So they they defer home rule uh, mostly because they wanted to be able to... Use them as soldiers. Yes, correct. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So that was largely the problem. We're American. We get it. (laughs) And guess what? The Irish hated that. They did not care for the fact that they were being controlled by Britain and then also used in their war. Sue. Again, we grew up in America. We understand that. (laughs) Yes. Um, so this is when many different groups start forming. Lots of names that we're going to have to juggle here for a little while. Here we uh, go. Because they're all pretty important to the Rising, and they all have a part to play in the Rising. So, um, Irish Unionists, who were largely Protestants, uh, opposed this situation because Mm -hmm. they did not want to be ruled by a catholic dominated irish government oh my god it's all gonna hop back Uh, it's all gonna it's (laughs) all gonna come back so they formed the ulster volunteers uh which again will come back yep Mm -hmm. uh in january of 1913 uh then some irish nationalists form a rival parliamentary group which are the irish volunteers in november of 1913 and we will talk a lot about the volunteers Mm -hmm. 
the Irish Republican Brotherhood was the driving force behind the Irish Volunteers and attempted to control it. So they weren't, these are all like semi-military groups to, when they start. And by the time we get to where we're going, they're like all little armies. Right. Um, so the Irish Republican Brotherhood isn't a militant group. It's just like a, a group of folks, but they have their hand in the pie of the Irish Volunteers, yeah. as it were. Um, the Irish Volunteers' stated goal was to, quote, secure and maintain the rights and liberties common to all the people of Ireland. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, lots of different political views are represented in the Irish Volunteers, and it was open to, again, quote, all able-bodied Irish men without distinction of creed, politics, or social group. Uh, another militant group that pops up at this time is the Irish Citizen Army, which is formed because of, um, the Dublin lockout. So it's formed of a bunch of trade unionists. So we've got a, so much we've got a bunch of just basically union folks all rolling up and joining groups. And I mean, that sounds about right. Complicated. Yes. Yeah. Um, because the British government was terrible to them, and so they needed unions. It's pretty standard it's the, for the history of the British government. <laughs> I mean, no that's offense if you're British, but I think if you're British, you know. You know. That's about to, as simple as I can uh, put it. <laughs> I mean, you could you could say a lot worse about our government, so. Well, I don't know about worse. Worse now. Historically, I'd say now we've evened the playing field. <laughs> <laughs> like came we've back ca- around. like we've caught up we've caught up and we started and then a li- surpassed we started a little late um so we had to really hustle there in the second half yeah but- yeah yeah we we finally passed him in the last leg and here we are <laughs> lord so on september 5th 1914 the irish republican brotherhood meets and they decide that they're going to stage an uprising before World War One ends while Britain is distracted. I mean, it's um, not a bad plan. It's not a bad plan. And they want to try and get help from Germany because Germany is fighting fighting against Britain. And if this will but distract like, Britain, then like clearly, you know. For like, Germany, you know. it's like bigger fish, you know. Like they got bigger fish to fry and they are not really interested in your little rebellion that I'm sure they believe will not work anyway. Let's be honest. If you're Germany, you look at that and you go, that's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to win that one. Well, here's how it goes. Um, so they start planning the uprising. Uh, the responsibility for the planning is given to Tom Clark and Sean McDormand. Uh, the Irish volunteer. So this, this like, all of this meeting is a combination of the Irish volunteers and the Irish Republican Brotherhood. Right. At the start, and then later we'll get some more folks. Um, so the Irish volunteers, who are the smaller of the two forces, um, who actually later, like earlier, split because some people were okay with supporting the British war effort and oh. some people were not. So that's a whole thing. So they're even um, smaller than they were before. The yes. War. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this group ha- sets up a headquarters staff that includes Patrick Pierce, who we will talk about a lot. As the director of military organization, Joseph Plunkett as the director of military operations, and Thomas Thomas McDonough. 
Yes. Sure. Here we are. As director of training. <laughs> 50 Ayo. episodes. Um, Amon Sennett was also later added as director of communications. Uh, so this is like the start of the folks. These are the folks who are going to play in this rising. Um, this group of dudes and a few others that will get added as we go along will become the military council. Uh, not everyone in the Irish Republican Brotherhood and the volunteers agree that the time is right for the rising, including the volunteers chief of staff, uh, Aon McNeil. Uh, so he will, he will come back. This man will come back. (laughs) Um, so the military council mostly plans in secret because A, they don't want the British to discover their plans, obviously. And also because some people in their organizations don't think the time is right for the rising, they won't be able to stop it if they don't know about it until it gets closer. So they start I mean, planning in secret. I'm kind of uh, so far on the side of these people who think it's the right time. Because I oh, think yeah. it's the right time. Because if you wait till after the war, like, first of all, you've lost a lot of people mm-hmm. that otherwise you might not have. Because they may have been able to, like, if you if your rising is successful, right, then you get those people back from the mm-hmm. war effort if they want mm-hmm. to be. And also, like, I don't know, I guess after the war, they're depleted a little bit so that you can make an argument for that. Yeah. But, but I think it's distracting. Right. Catching the them war. off guard during the war and mm-hmm. while they do have bigger problems yeah. is not a bad idea. And you know, these are, this group of people are all people who have been angry at Britain for a long time, but they also have a new wave of people who don't want to go to war. Right. They don't want to be a part of yes, the British they war. they can gain a lot there, more support. There and, are also people who do support that, but there's a pretty big group who don't. And, so. and you know, it's totally possible that if they wait till after the war, those people who opposed it, so... At this point, they don't know, are we going to win? Are we going to lose? Okay, so where they are at this point in history, let's say, hey, where are these people? Let's say Britain wins. And then we attack them. Okay, there's a lot of pro-war, we did it kind of propaganda going on, and we're going to have less support. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, for sure. Um, So shortly after World War I begins... Roger Casement and John DeVoy meet with the German ambassador to the U.S. Um, let's let's see, Johann yes Heinrich von Heinrich Bernstroff. That would be uh, Heinrich. Hey, I did okay though. <laughs> yes, you I did, did all right. Um, so they meet with the German ambassador to the U.S. to discuss having having Germany back them up for an uprising. Uh, Casement goes to Germany to begin negotiations with the German government and military, and he persuades the Germans to announce their support for Irish independence in November of 1914. So he does something. I mean, it's, yeah, you have voiced support, Mm -hmm. but is that actual help? Well. Not necessarily. (laughs) Let's let's get into that. Okay. <laughs> um, they present a plan, the Irish present a plan to the Germans that would include a German military force coming ah. to Ireland to assist with the rising. They wanted them to help. They wanted them to, like, land in Kerry and help secure the Shannon River from uh-huh. that side of the country 
so that in Dublin it could go, like, they wouldn't be able to, like, ship stuff in. Right. That was the plan that they presented to the Germans. And the Germans said, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. We do not have the time, money, or manpower for that. No way. We're not going to guard your country for you. Yes, no, 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 right. no, no. You, you guys could do the rising. We hate England. This would be great. Please go distract them. We cannot give you military. No. no, 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 no. They do agree, though, to send arms and ammunitions to help with the rising, which Ireland needed pretty badly to be able mm-hmm. to do this. So it, it's that's much more help than any of us could have expected. <laughs> yeah, Germany giving them honestly, <laughs> seriously. Um, here we meet another big player who's very important to this story, James Connolly, who is the head of the Irish Citizen Army. Uh, he is unaware that the military council is making plans for a rising. Uh-oh. And he's like, hey, so we're like totally going to start a rebellion if somebody else doesn't do it first. Like, uh, why are we not doing anything? Oh, no. Why are we not doing anything? <laughs> now they have competing rebellions. <laughs> well... In January of 1916, he meets with the military council, and they decide that they'll all launch a rising together on Easter Sunday. Can you imagine how much worse it would have been? Well, (laughs) it was was a situation where he was like, the understanding with with these different groups was, if you rise, we will, we will, we will take up arms, we will support you. And, and they would have, but he was like, why, what, hey, hey, they're so, what's happening? They're so distracted. We could do this right now. Why is nobody doing this? Right. And they were like, we're doing it. We're just, shh, shut up, shut up. Come here. Quiet down. They said, Come here. they said, Don't they said, stop yelling. Stop yelling. Come, <laughs> Come here. Come here. We're, we'll we do it. You just have secret. to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, now we have a date. Easter Sunday is when the Rising is going to occur. On April 9th, the German Navy dispatches the SS Leibu um, <laughs> for County Kerry. Uh, and it's... Disqu- dis- Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it's disguised wow. as a Norwegian ship. Um, and it's loaded with 20,000 rifles, 1 million rounds of ammunition, and a bunch of explosives. So they would have been set up a real nice with all this stuff. An Irish rebellion loves explosives. Oh, boy, do they. Yeah. On Wednesday, April 19th, uh, some members of uh, Sinn Féin find this document that they were told was leaked from Dublin Castle, which is the seat of British rule in Ireland. That's where the British are in Dublin Castle. Um, And this document apparently details plans by the British authorities to arrest leaders of the Volunteers, Sinn Féin, and the Gaelic League, and to occupy their, their premises, the place where the places where they all gather. Okay. Um, Wait, just because or because they knew they were planning the uprising? We'll get there. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the British authorities later said that the this what is referred to as the castle document was fake. Um, McNeil, that guy I was talking about earlier who was not so sure about all of this, uh-huh. um, orders the volunteers to prepare to resist. Now you're a little reading, more sure, my guy. After reading this document. What McNeil didn't know is that the document had been forged by the military council (gasps) to persuade moderates of the need for their planned uprising. Oh, the, 
the intrigue, the subterfuge. Right? Wow. It was an an edited version of a real document uh, that outlined British plans in in the event of a conscription. So they based it off a real document, but they leaked it to... Sinn Féin into the volunteers. The amount of research yeah. that takes yeah. just to be like, gotcha. They were just trying now to convince on our side. the people who were on the fence that I mean, they were going to get them. It's not nice, but tactically, not it's the worst idea. <laughs> and, and the thing is, realistically, that's what the British would have done. Like, if, if well, they had known. Yeah. That's like... They, they were in the position where the nature of their relationship with the British is that had the British found out, that's what they were going to do. Right. And it's they could not, find out at any moment. It is fully believable mm-hmm. that, so they, that, so that they you would of, find a document like yeah, that. They just sort of said, what if? What if this was the case? Oh my God. Who knows? It's their burn book. They're just yeah. like, they wrote their... Regina is... <laughs> <laughs> I won't say it because we don't curse on this show, but uh, and I would consider that a little inappropriate. But yes, that's fair. It's Regina writing her own name in the burn book and distributing it, it to the school. It really, really is. I know. <laughs> um. So McNeil is still on the fence. His his stance was that there shouldn't be a rebellion unless it's prompted by British aggression. So he doesn't think that the Irish should start the rebellion. Which I understand. But at the same time, they are not prepared to retaliate. No, 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 no. They're so much smaller than Britain's They can prepare to rebel. They cannot prepare to retaliate. Right. Fully. Yeah. Um, he, MacNeil finally finds out about the plans for the Rising a few days before it starts, like, getting announced to Too the late. organization. And he threatens that he's going to do anything he can to prevent to prevent it. Okay. Um, when he finds out about the the arms shipment from Germany, he's persuaded to keep quiet because he believes that if the British discovered that arms shipment... They would attack the Irish, and so they needed to be prepared. Okay, so his line of wait, logic okay. is it's so, so busted. So, so he wants them to wait for the British to attack, knowing uh-huh. very well that they wouldn't be prepared if that happened. Correct. And then he finds out, oh, it's possible the British could attack us because of this. So better that we're prepared. It's almost but like I you disagree been that you're prepared. With. It's almost like you should have just been ready to to go like i don't want I, you to have been prepared but i'm glad you are but i don't agree but i'll i'll shut my mouth about it what? that's very that's exactly yes that's what it is he's okay. like i don't know about this but i guess i'll shut up like okay um it's happening with or without you at this point bro like, yeah for real so the german ships reach carry on good friday which is april 21st uh 1916 this arrival was earlier than the rebels were expecting, Oops. so there was nowhere that no one there to meet the ship. Also, the British <gasps> did in fact already know that that armed shipment was coming, oh, no. so they're able to intercept the ship, and they oh. don't. They the rebels don't right. get there. Um, their weapons. That's the turning point. It's all gonna yeah. fall apart. Okay. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> you thought that was the turning point. Well, uh, the bricks are going to crumble now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So McNeil oh, no. learns that the arm shipment is lost. Oh, no. And then he goes, oh, no, we definitely can't do it now. Okay, we but I'm sorry. Do it now. Pause again, though, because, like, now the thing that he was afraid was going to happen has happened. So I'm sorry. I thought he wanted them to be prepared if the British found out that this ship was coming so that they could fight back. But now that the British know that the ship was coming... And they're prepared to fight back. He's against it again. I'm so confused by this. I dude. think he assumed that it, when the British found the the arms, they would immediately attack. Just that's all- not how yeah, the British no, I operate. I, I, know, I know, I know. That's not how anybody operates. You don't just run in mm-hmm. when you find something you don't like. You don't go look. This thing has happened. That's a that's a strike against us in this conflict. Better just go right in and attack. <laughs> no army has ever done that. That's Ugh. insane. Okay. Yeah. So, McNeil issues a countermand to the volunteers to cancel any action for Sunday. Too late, man. Mm, the thing is, though, that it's not. Oh, <laughs> and this really screws things up for the Irish oh. because he was in a pretty high position in the volunteers. And they had been succeeding in getting the volunteers ready by working around him and using other folks. But now he has said something. But now he said something. Oh, and, he's, and not only has he said something, he said, don't do it. Right. Whatever plans we had in place from anywhere, don't do it. Boy. So, um, the British are actually, like, kind of aware of what's happening. It's a little- Well, if they're not at this point. Good God. Um, they've intercepted some messages between Germany and the German embassy in the U.S. Ugh. Because they're at war with Germany. Sloppy. (laughs) Yeah. Sloppy work. Um, the Undersecretary of Ireland, Matthew Nathan- proposes raiding Liberty Hall, which is where the headquarters of the Irish Citizen Army are. Um, But they decide to postpone any action until Easter Monday. I don't know why. I guess they just wanted to take the the holiday off. It's Um, a long weekend, you know. it's, It's also possible that even though they knew a rebellion was coming, they didn't know when. Right. Like, they didn't know that it was supposed to be on Easter Sunday. Well, that would be my because guess. Because who they starts a rebellion on, who starts a rebellion on Easter Sunday? The Irish do, but, you know. Protestants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so, on Easter Sunday, which is April 23rd, the military council meets at Liberty Hall to decide what to do about McNeil's countermanding order. So they decide that they're going to postpone the rising by one day so that they can get the word out to all those people who were told not to do anything and say, no, 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 it's still on. We're just doing it tomorrow now. We're just doing it tomorrow now. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> they also decide that the Irish Citizen Army and the volunteers will go into the rising as one group. They will be the Army of the Irish Republic. Uh, Patrick Pierce is elected as the president of the Irish Republic and the commander in chief, chief of the army. And chief. Commander in chief. What really gets me about this, though, is that Matthew Nathan was like, we should raid Liberty <laughs> yeah. Hall because that's their headquarters. And then they all met there. And then 
And then they go, no, 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 we'll wait till Easter Monday. No one's doing anything on Easter Sunday. And then on Easter Sunday, they were all there. All of them, they were establishing the Irish Republic in that room and they could have stopped them and then they just didn't. And you know what? Also, because the British decided to wait until Monday, they should have struck on Sunday. (laughs) But they decided, we'll wait one more day, just like the British. I just, I can't, I can't. It's just like a series of unfortunate events. It, I, it's like some so, weird comedy, like. And it's, it's weird because it had been going okay for them. Like they had a yes, pretty good it plan had. in place. And then right at the 11th hour, Classic. everything blew up. Classic. Just all of it fell apart. Yeah. It's, it's a Shakespearean comedy. Well, it's just so excessively Irish. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so Irish that that's the way that that happened to yeah. them. You know? So, this episode's about the Easter Rising, and we're finally actually getting to the Easter Rising. <laughs> that's the story of my life in this podcast. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> we don't really get to the topic until about halfway through the episode. Yeah, that's all right. It's all relevant. So, on the morning of April 24th, 1916, uh, Easter Monday... 1,200 members of the volunteers in the citizen army gather at several locations in Dublin. They're armed mostly with rifles, but they also have shotguns, revolvers, pistols, and a few grenades. Um, They were supposed to have a lot more arms, but then that all fell apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, The numbers are smaller than they were initially expecting because McNeil told a bunch of people not to do it. Right. Um, but several hundred more volunteers end up joining before the rising is over. So once they see that they that it's started, they're like, "Oh, well, oh that okay. always yeah. happens, though." Yeah, yeah. Um, their strategy is to seize important buildings in the in different locations in the city. So that's what they start doing. The locations are all selected to help secure the areas between the Grand and Royal Canals. So in the middle of Dublin, there are two canals and then um, the the river Liffey flows through the middle. Right. And that's like the center of the city. Um, so they're trying to secure the area between the two canals because that's most of the, the city center. Um, and some of the other locations were also chosen to defend against the five British army barracks that are in the city. Right. Uh, they, so they, they set out, they start taking these buildings. All of their positions are taken pretty easily because no one was expecting that to happen today. These well, people woke up and except, went to work. Except that some people kind of were. But then also kind of weren't. <laughs> uh, um, so they take the, posi- the their positions pretty easily. They evacuate citizens and they either eject or impris- imprison any police officers in any of their buildings that they are... Uh, seizing they gather supplies they set up aid stations and they begin building barricades in the streets to try and limit the british army's movements they also barricade themselves into the buildings that they have taken pretty organized for the most part it's i mean like hey as rebellions go it's pretty organized it's coming right along they're doing they're doing it they're really doing it well for now (laughs) for now (laughs) for now (laughs) Um, about 400 rebels gather at Liberty Hall, including Patrick Pierce, Tom Clark, Sean McDormand, and Joseph Plunkett. This group, who is led by James Connolly, 
marches to the general post office, which is in the center of the city, Here and we occupies the building. Oh, boy. Uh, the building is going to end up becoming the headquarters for the rest of the Rising. Patrick Pierce stands outside and reads the pro- proclamation of the Irish Republic. Uh, they take over several other buildings on this street to try and just have eyes all all over it. All over it. Well, yeah. Um, they took over a wireless telegraph station and send out a radio broadcast in Morse code announcing that the, an Irish Republic has been declared. And this was the first radio broadcast in Ireland. Well, that is classically Irish. Isn't that fascinating? (laughs) Look at this newfangled machine. What do we do with it first? Tell everybody that we are super independent and definitely not British. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Some other important areas that the rebels control. uh, St. Stephen's Green, which I could probably do an entire episode just about the rising (laughs) in St. Stephen's Green. Because I... Went to Ireland on a school trip and spent a lot of time in St. Stephen's Green. And that park has signs telling the story of the Rising in the park. Right. All around it. So, oh my god, it's fascinating. Anyway. So, St. Stephen's Green is, like, right in the center of Dublin. So, they seize that to try and um, break the flow of traffic. I mean, like, transportation through the city. Um, The Four Courts, which is the courthouses... Um, where Parliament is, and uh, Dublin City Hall. Around midday, a small team of volunteers capture the magazine fort in Phoenix Phoenix Park, which is a military fort, Mm -hmm. um, and they disarm the guards. The goal here was to seize weapons and blow up the ammunition store to signal that the rising had begun. Always a dramatic flare. Uh, they with seized, explosives. <laughs> yes, yes. They seized the weapons and they planted the explosives, but the blast wasn't big enough to be heard across the city. Oh my god. So okay. it kind of doesn't even matter <laughs> that that <laughs> happened. Um, but it was also another one of the important places that they seized. But they could have taken that ammunition instead. <laughs> Probably. Okay. I mean, I'm sure they took a lot of it, but they just I'm also sure, yeah. moved some stuff up. But you can't... Spare ammunition just for the sake of sparing ammunition. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, a contingent under Sean Connolly occupies Dublin City Hall and the adjacent buildings. They are, their goal here is to attempt to seize Dublin Castle, mm-hmm. which is, like I said before, the heart of British rule in Ireland. As they approach the gate, an unarmed police sentry, James O'Brien, attempts to stop them and is shot dead by Connolly. Mm. And according to many accounts, he was the first casualty of the Rising. Well, sure. Uh, They begin to infiltrate the building, but they're blocked before they can get very far in. The rebels retreat to City Hall and fight the British in Dublin Castle from there. So later, when British reinforcements arrive, a battle breaks out. Uh, The rebels fire down from the roof of City Hall to the soldiers on the street. High ground. Sean Connolly is shot dead, and he is the first rebel casualty. Well, so the he first... killed the first person on the other side. So. Yep. So the first two major casualties of the Rising occur in this mm-hmm. um, battle. Battle, yeah. The By the next morning, the British will have taken retaken City Hall uh, and taken the, re- the rebels there as prisoners. Oof. Short-lived. 
That yeah. One. Well, yeah. They, I mean, they they were tasked with one of the hardest places. Well, yeah. Yeah. It probably it may have been more affected effective had they had more people. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Probably not. For being honest, though. <laughs> well, and I was actually also reading that they they were working. They were pushing their way into Dublin Castle, and they're blocked. And they went back and like regrouped and. They, but they didn't know that the rest of Dublin Castle actually was really poorly guarded. And if they had they made a second run in. at it, they could have gotten it. But Hindsight. they just, yeah, they just didn't know. Um, it seems like they should have done some research on points of entry. <laughs> I, you know, like, shouldn't there have been some recon? For that, yeah. they went to the trouble of forging a fake letter, but they couldn't <laughs> figure out what. The isn't, entry but, points were to this very public the, building. Isn't that the way? So, because there were so many artists. I mean, doesn't yeah. that seem right to you? Doesn't that just seem correct? But this is. But listen, if you're gonna call yourself a rebellion, you got to do the work. I don't yeah. care what your your job was before that. <laughs> uh, so the British military were not expecting the rising to occur when it occurred, and they were caught off guard. And their initial responses are super uncoordinated. They, like, do not know what to do. Two troops of cavalry are sent to investigate, and they both take fire from different rebel posts before retreating. Um, So on the first day, there's not a lot of British pushback because they just were not prepared for it to be happening. But still, they've captured prisoners already. So, not a great sign. Well, they actually don't end up capturing prisoners until, uh, like, Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday morning. It, that was just, that was the place that made the most sense to tell that story about. Um, oh, I see. Dublin Castle, yeah. So, that that takes place over, like, a day or two. I think that just started on the first day of the Rising gotcha. when they showed up. So, martial law is declared on Tuesday. Uh, initially, the British forces uh, focus on securing Dublin Castle, which they do, uh, and also they're trying to isolate Liberty Hall because that's where they think the headquarters are. They don't realize that the They've headquarters them. are at the post office. They know the post office has been taken, but they don't initially know that that's where they're. I mean, that's not a bad are. bit of strategy to mm-hmm. say they know that we meet here. We should have the headquarters somewhere else. Yeah. So, hey, we know that they have a concept of strategizing. Well, I mean, they just, I, again, the start was decent. It's just the start selective. Was decent. It's selective strategy, which is not effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 120 British soldiers. Whew, wow. Oh, my I God. To, like, I just need to, like, take a quick nap in the middle of this episode and then keep going. 120 British soldiers. Occupy uh, two buildings overlooking St. Stephen's Green, and they fire down on the rebels occupying it. And this is again St. Stephen's Green. They they were they were digging ditches, and they just got shot out from above in their ditches. Well, it I mean, it's a park. Like there aren't that many places yeah. to like protect yourself. Yes, and uh, we actually talked a lot more about St. Stephen's Green and the Rising in the episode about Constance and Eva because this right. is where Constance was stationed. Right. Um, she was at St. Stephen's Green. Uh, so the rebels are forced to retreat to the Royal Col- College of Surgeons and that's where they remain for the rest of the week and they fight from the mm. the 
from that building for the rest of the week. Uh, that afternoon, Patrick Pierce walks out onto O'Connell Street with a small escort and stands in front of Nelson's Pillar. Uh, a large crowd gathers and he reads out a manifesto to the citizens of Dublin, which is calling on them to support the rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the rebels failed to capture any railways, railway stations or ports, the British are able to transport in re- reinforcements pretty quickly. Duh. Um, they did attempt to secure, I think, a couple of railway stations. They just weren't successful. They were fought off. Um, so it was at least in the plan. They just weren't successful. Uh, <laughs> by like a the pretty end- big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. By the end of the week, the British have 16,000 men. Oh, wow. And if you'll remember, we started with 1,200. 1,200. And, a, and a, a few hundred more that join throughout. But yes, sure. Let's just wait till the British attack us. <sighs> <laughs> Again, like, look at the size of them. They wouldn't have yeah. been able to. Okay. <laughs> uh, throughout the rest of the week, the British slowly fight with and arrest rebels, and they recapture several buildings. There's lots and lots and lots of details about the the actual week of the Rising, but it's all like, they fought here, and then they fought right. here, and then they <laughs> fought here, and it's like, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> we know how these things work. Uh, the headquarter garrison at the general post office, after days of shelling, is forced to abandon their headquarters when fire caused by the shells spreads into the post office. And actually, the gen- the post office still has bullets. That's what I was going to ask. From you still the rising them? inside of the pillars outside. So, like, I have touched a bullet from the Easter rising. I, you have to stop talking about going to Ireland because you're really <laughs> jealous. And I, I might never actually get to go there now because we can't go anywhere. <laughs> um, so James Connolly has been incapacitated by a bullet wound to the ankle and he's passed on command to Patrick Pierce. Uh, they tunnel through the walls of the neighboring buildings in order to evacuate the post office oh, without wow. coming under fire. And they take up a new position in 16 Moore Street. They start trying to plan their escape, but Patrick Pierce realizes that escaping will only cause more casualties, especially civilian casualties. Well, and where are you going to escape to? Exactly, exactly, at this point. Because you don't have the railways or ports. Mm Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, April 29th, Patrick Pierce issues an order for all companies to surrender. And he surrenders unconditionally to Brigadier General Lowe. Because different posts receive this order at different times, some fighting continues on into Sunday. So they surrender on Saturday, but realistically the rising went from Monday to Sunday. Which, for the Irish, was just forever. It's the <laughs> longest rebellion they've ever got to do. Yeah, long and it term. Was surprisingly successful like they lost well it depends on your definition of success like more successful than their past rebellion the fact that they were able to hold as many buildings as they did for as long as they did yeah pretty impressive yeah 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 um although most of the fighting occurs in dublin there are a few smaller scale uh risings in cork fingal enniscorth Ennis Corthy, 
Galway, Limerick, and Clare, um, because, you know, there are volunteers and, and citizen army members all over mm-hmm. Ireland. It's just that they were centered in Dublin. The Easter Rising resulted in at least 485 deaths, 260 of which were civilians. Ugh. Most of the civilian casualties were caused by the British. Because the rebels did not want to shoot civil. I mean, they did sometimes. Well, they evacuated a lot of people. Um, but the British didn't know who was and wasn't. Well, yeah, why would they? A part of the rebellion. Here's the other thing: it's not like they were like clearly identifying themselves. Some of them wore uniforms, but not all of them did. There was no wore armbands. But not all of them did, so it was hard to tell. But again, there wasn't one single consistent symbol across all of it. Exactly. And that's a problem. Um, But yes, 260 civilian deaths, 126 from the UK forces, 82 Irish rebel forces, and 17 police officers. More than 2,600 were wounded, including at least 2,200 civilians and rebels. Uh, 370 British soldiers soldiers, and 29 policemen. Uh, a total of 3,430 men and 79 women were arrested, including 425 people for looting, which, you know, that's that will happen. Oh, it's almost like that always happens in yeah. rebellions and, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, protests and super weird how mm-hmm. that's like normal. Um, mm-hmm. and an mm-hmm. appropriate response, uh, when you're being super oppressed. Uh-huh. Interesting. Anyway. Uh, anyway. We- uh, so a series of, did you, okay. So yes. I- courts martial. Correct. It's not court martials. It's courts martial. No. I didn't know that. It's like Cole's de sac. I was yeah. literally watching that episode of Gilmore Girls earlier today where she's where Rory is explaining to Lorelai that the plural of cul de sac is Cole's de sac. Anyway, so a series of courts martial begin on May 2nd. Uh 187 people are tried. The courts martial are held in secret and without defense, which is later ruled illegal by the Crown because yeah. obviously because it was. Um Fun fact, Constance Markovich is the only woman to be court-martialed and the only woman to be kept in solitary confinement. She was the coolest. Strong woman. She was the coolest. Mm -hmm. Uh, 90 people are sentenced to death. God. 15 are killed by firing squad at Kilmainham Jail between May 3rd and May 12th, including Patrick Pierce, Thomas Clark, Joseph Plunkett, and James Connolly, who was seriously wounded and actively dying, and he had to be tied to a chair oh. because his ankle had been shattered and he couldn't stand in front of the firing squad. So they oh. tied him to a chair and then shot him. Oh. It's Executions horrible. are- I mean, we all know they're inhumane, so no yeah. matter how they come. That one's the worst to me, though. That's pretty bad. He was actively well. Dying. Okay, we're talking the worst for this instant. Yes, not yeah. the oh, worst yeah. overall. Oh no, but no, 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 pretty no, no, bad. No, no. But here, the, of these ones, like, oh, yeah, that's awful. That's that's another place that I have seen. I've been in Kilmainham and I saw where they, yeah. where the firing squad was. It's it's brutal. It's <sighs> oof, it's bad. Uh, so during the rising, the public the public is largely against the rebels. 
because they're uh, a massive inconvenience and are breaking everything. Ain't that always how it goes? Uh, however, as the executions go on, uh, those who get executed become martyrs, and the public opinion shifts in favor of the rising. Ain't that always how it goes? Uh, after James Connolly's execution, the rest of the de- death sentences were commuted to penal servitude. Huh. So his was he was the last one to be executed because huh. of how horrible Horrendous. it was. Horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the rising. Uh... Lots of important things came after the Rising and yeah. happened because of the Rising. Because it wasn't just the Rising. It was how brutal the British were in response to it, both during it and after it, mm-hmm. that Irish citizens who were on the fence suddenly were very passionately against the British because yeah. of how poorly they handled well, it. Well, they saw it happen in front of their eyes and then they realized... Oh, it really, it really could happen because it did. Yeah, and it's yeah. really bad. And this is if this is how they think of us when we're in the middle of a crisis. How are they going to think of us in our day to day life? And like, what are they going to do to us? Right. Um. So the 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 calls for either home rule or an independent Ireland just get louder and louder and louder. Um. And then later, huge conflicts break out between folks who want home rule and people who want. An independent Ireland mm-hmm. because as they get closer and closer to home rule, people are like, that's not enough. Yeah. We need to be independent. Um, so some very important things to come from the rising. Uh, sh- the political party, Sinn Féin, is established like a year after the rising mm-hmm. in response to that. And they are the political party who just gets like a lot of work done in um, Parliament for Ireland. Uh, Eamon de Valera was arrested and was one of the people sentenced to death during the rising and the aftermath. Um, But he was one of the people who got his sentence changed partially because of everybody after James Connolly, but also he was uh, an American born Irishman born in America. So they, that was part of the reason he got that changed, Hmm. but he's a huge player and the War of Independence, which comes shortly after, and he is he said also, never should have let me go. He is also later president of Ireland, right? So you, he said you never should have let me live. You made oh, one mistake. You let me live. Who plays him in Michael Collins? Michael Collins. Oh, uh, is one of my favorite yeah. um, Irish movies. It's not. It starts at the Rising. It's mostly about the War of Independence, uh, but it's so good. I'm going to find it because it's my stupid brain won't tell me. <laughs> Liam Neeson plays Michael Collins Liam and Neeson. Liam, Liam Neeson's niece, son. son. Alan Rickman plays Eamon de Valera. Oh, and he's Alan fantastic. Rickman. He's fantastic. Um, and then obviously the War of Independence, the uh, treaty, the brief period of Irish home rule before full independence, the Civil War, the Troubles, all of that are direct yeah responses to what occurred at the rising yeah so they just spent so much of their history Mm -hmm. rebelling and like trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. well and there's been other portions of their history where they rebelled and then it was shut down very quickly and then they just didn't do anything for a long time because of how like swiftly it was shut down but the fact that they managed to do as much as they did in that one week 
It, it, they, it showed people that it was possible. It was yeah. possible to to rise against the British and to be an independent Ireland. Right. Like, they could do it. And, and you know, the disadvantage for England at that point is they think they've done it. They think that's the end of it, and they've won, and if any other little small things pop up, they can easily deal with it. But so that is now not the you, Irish spirit. You have an advantage, if you're the Irish, to say, well, now they know, like, that they might think we're going to sit quietly, but we're not. Yeah. You know? Because, uh, and unlike those other times, the War of Independence is not that long after the Rising. Right. People who who's lived through the Rising were the, then- fought radicalized right. by the rising and became the major political players in the future. People like Eamon de Valera and Michael Collins became major players in the war of independence. And that's history, baby. Yeah. So it's just people getting radicalized and the rest of it wouldn't have happened without the rising. Yeah. And I just find it, it is my favorite piece of, of Irish history. Um, largely because I got to go to Dublin and see it. I'm very jealous about it. But, like, seeing the history of the place and, like, being in it, mm-hmm. I feel like really, it makes you think about it differently. Oh, yeah. You know? So I've been, I've been fascinated with it ever since I came back. And so I've been meaning, I've been wanting to do this episode for a really long time. Yeah. And Plus it's we're just obsessed with, we're just obsessed with Ireland in general. Yes. I, we're technically more British than we are Irish, like in terms of our DNA. Mm-hmm. But we have never identified with the British as strongly as we have with the Irish. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and this is just a, a true fact about us and our lives the the story of ireland is so similar to the story of um west virginia, of west virginia. Mm-hmm. uh and so i think that that's part of the reason why we identify with it so strongly is is because yeah. of that exact fact and we grew up with a lot of other people who are irish yeah in heritage yeah. so yes for sure yeah well that was a good one Thanks. that was a great 50th episode Thanks. We did it. 50. We did do it. Wow. It took an extra week. I'm so sorry, but here we are. Here we are. We got there eventually. (laughs) Well, I don't know what the next episode is going to be or when it's going to be. Yep. 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 (laughs) We'll figure that out. Um, But if any of you listeners have suggestions for topics or if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at RTT Pod. Um, we're on Facebook if you just search the name. Um, and if you want to give us a rating or a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be great. Um, you can find me on the internet at The Real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. 50 episodes. 50 episodes. We done did it. Uh, more. You know what what will be our next episode? Something spooky. Yes, it's going to be October and we're going to be doing be spooky episodes again this year like we did last year. So yes. thank you for reminding me because I did have a topic in mind. So now I actually know what I can focus on. So <laughs> Yes. So something spooky. We will yes. be doing something spooky. It's probably going to be the Salem Witch Trials. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shush. Shush. <laughs>
Well, until that next time. Remember that 